Hey, good morning, Redeemer. It's, uh, it's good to be with you again. We're hopeful that this will be um, one of the last ones that we will have to, to do quite like this. Um, but nevertheless, we are glad to be worshiping, glad to be making much of Jesus this morning. Um, so we are drawing towards the end of our time in the, Pro- the book of Proverbs, where we have looked at a, a variety of just kind of practical topics through the lens of the wisdom of Proverbs. So we've looked at emotions and, and friendship, relationships. We've looked at, at money, um, different things like this, and uh, speech even last week. Um, this week, we're going to look at something that maybe will surprise you a little bit. And so I'm just going to jump right in and read from Proverbs 16, 31. It says this, Gray hair is a crown of glory, and it is gained in a righteous life. The gray hair is a crown of glory. And so today we're actually going to spend our time looking at um, the idea of, of old age. Um, we are not going to define old age. I'm not that foolish. Um, Proverbs has taught me that much. <laughs> we're not going to define it. But we, we want to just look at what does Scripture actually have to say about old age. And I want to, um, it may seem odd, right? We are... Um, kind of perceived, I think, of being a young church. You know, we're only nine years old. Um, the predominant makeup of the church is younger. Lots of babies, um, even two over the last week and a half, have been born. And yet, I would say I am genuinely, incredibly blessed and grateful for those in our congregation who are grandparents, who are great-grandparents, who are in their um, latter years. Again, I'm not going to define that. Um, because I want us to, to look at what Scripture has to say about this, and I, and I just want to ask you um, to, to stick with me for a second. Some of you are going, hey, I'm, I'm not old. Maybe this isn't for me, but would you stick with me? I think we're going to see um, that this is beneficial for all of us. And so, so why? Why are we going to, uh, to look at this specific kind of um, niche? Why, are, why am I asking all of us to stay in, engaged in this topic? And ultimately, it's because of this, that we often are looking at passages of Scripture that don't hit each individual person, that are hitting pockets um, or segments of our, of our church family, right? That we talk about singleness when not everyone is single, or we talk about marriage when not everyone is married, and some will never be married, or some will someday be married, right? We talk about adoption, um, and yet not all will adopt. We talk about men's issues or women's issues, right? We talk about divorce um, or parenting. Uh, Maybe we even talk about specific church roles like deacons or elders when not everyone will will be a deacon or an elder. And so we we already know that we're a family and that we want to look at these different topics and and aspects of life because we want to know how to best um, love, to serve, to understand, to encourage one another, that we would really grasp that we are a family. Um, and here's, here's the, the truth. As we serve one another, as we seek to understand something, um, look, you're either going to live long enough to be considered older, um, or you're going to, to die um, and before then, right? And, and so for most of us, old age is coming, and it's coming faster than maybe we want to even admit um, that we know the older we get, it seems like the faster the years go by, and that that always felt like a, a strange thing when I heard that, a, a little bit of a cliche, and yet even at this age of my life, I realized how true it is. And so 
Listen, we want to dive into this together because we are a family, and we want to, to love those who are already um, elderly, and we also want to have some view of what it should look like as we head towards that life stage as well. Um, listen, we, the second thing is not just that, that we're a family, it's that we desire to be wise, right? We desire to be skilled at living. And if, we were, if we're going to desire to do that, that we want to be wise in every life stage, um, in every situation, in every circumstance. I mean, that's not just something that we postpone for another time, but that we want to have wise um, teenagers, and we want to have wise young adults, and we want to have wise middle-aged folks, and we want to have wise older folks. And so I want to read from Proverbs 20, verse 29. It says this, The glory of young men is their strength, but the splendor of old men is their gray hair. Right, we see just kind of this, this uh, um, comparison and contrast that, that right, the young men are often known for their strength and their vigor and their vitality, and older men, though, their splendor, right? This very positive word is in their gray hair. And that, that Scripture talks um, positively and encouragingly um, about the different life stages, and yet is, is willing to indicate that these life stages aren't going to always look the same, that there's going to be nuance and difference in them. And so I want us to begin to think about some, some goals, right, that we, that we would see that it is coming, right? Many of you can think about before you were married or before you had kids um, or before you were the age that you are trying to imagine what it was like to be in the situation that you're already in, right? And that we would have eyes to begin to, to look towards where we're headed, right? That we would set a healthy trajectory. And often when we're talking to, to young parents, one of the things we're telling them is, is listen, you, you're not just parenting today, right? The goal isn't just to get your kid in bed so that you have a couple hours of rest um, before you need to, to go back to bed and start the next day over again, right? The day isn't won simply by making it through today. That we are parenting in these moments for today, but we are also having a, a long view, a trajectory of what is this kid going to look like at 18 when they leave the house to go out into the world, are they going to be respectful? Are they going to be decent? Are they going to love Jesus? Are they going to know how to make a way in the world? Are they going to be wise as an 18-year-old? And so we are parenting, yes, for this moment, but if we are only parenting for this moment, we're going to miss that we're headed somewhere and that there's a goal, and that goal will actually affect and change the way we parent today. So if we take that out um, and, and extrapolate that out as an adult, um, that whether you're in your 20s or your 30s or your 40s or, or 50s or 60s or 70s, right, that there are decades coming for us. And are we looking, are we setting a trajectory that would make us wise and healthy in every circumstance, in every life stage? And so we're going to circle back to this one um, here in a few moments and look at just kind of the practicality of how to set that trajectory. The third thing is this, is not just that we're a family, and so we want to we look into this, um, that we want to be wise in every life stage, um, but that we honestly, another reason we're going to look at this topic today is because we live in a culture that is absolutely terrified, um, is, is afraid, is fighting against aging and death, right? Think about all the commercials that you see, right? All the regiments that we can tackle, all the pills that we can take, all the surgeries that are offered, right? All the all the cleanses, all these things that we can do to try to 
to drink from the fountain of youth, to stay young and vigorous, right? To stay productive and healthy, right? To avoid, to push off aging, to push off death. That we live in a culture that actively seeks to avoid it, to deny that it's going to happen. Um, that there's this, this idea even in, in medicine of kind of the American immortal, right? That we are working really hard to have as long of lives as possible because we are fearful of death. We're fearful of age. And we have made an idol out of youthfulness, right? Of, of viewing that as kind of the pinnacle of life and pushing other, other segments of the population away, right? That that's, that's just kind of the culture that we live in. And yet, I want us to look at what Scripture would have to say. And so we're going to first look at Psalm 90, verse 12. And the psalmist says this, So teach us to number our days, that we may get a heart of wisdom. Right? It says, teach us to number our days. The, the psalmist is saying, help us to be mindful, to remember that we do not have an infinite amount of days um, on this earth. Right? That there will be a day where either Jesus is going to split the sky and return for us, or we are going to breathe our last. Right? That the, one of those two things is going to happen. That time as we know it, history as we know it, has an end. And so we need to, to learn to, to number our days because it will allow us to live um, as, as wiser individuals when we know that we have an end in sight. And so instead of avoiding it and denying it, Scripture would actually tell us to embrace it, to run to it, to consider it. Look at Proverbs 17, verse 6. Grandchildren are the crown of the aged, and the glory of children is their fathers, right? Just talking about um, th this positive view of, of older folks having grandchildren, that it's not viewed as this thing to be afraid of or to, to ignore or to run from, but it's something to be embraced. In Proverbs 23, verse 22, we read this. Listen to your father who gave you life. And do not despise your mother when she is old, right? It's saying, listen, look at those who are older than you. Don't despise them, but, but to see the value that they have and let them speak into your life, right? That we're not running from something, but that we're honest about it. Listen, church, um, life has value, period. It has value. And it has value because it's been given to us by our Creator. Our Maker has made us in His image Right for, for our good and for His glory. And because we're made in His image, life has value. And we don't have to quantify that. It has value. And it has value whether we are young or old. It has value whether we are sick or healthy. It has value whether we are able or disabled. It has value whether we are productive or not. It has value because we've been made in the image of God. And so there's infinite value there. Because God has said so. And it has value now, not just in what's coming for us. In church, maybe for some of you, what you need to hear is your life has value now. It's not just in what has come before, right? That you think, I used to be valuable. My life used to have value. Now it doesn't because I'm old and, and, and how people view me or how I think about myself. That life has value. And because we live in a culture that, that fears death, um, would we just be reminded today, as we, as we long to, to number our days, that we would live wisely, um, that death is an enemy, right? And that death is coming. 
that it's appointed unto man once to die. Um, that we know that it is that no one has has avoided this, right? Like that it's coming for us, and we don't like it. It makes us squirm. It makes us uncomfortable um, because death is a separator. It's an enemy. It separates us from those that we love. Um, for those who are, are not in Christ, who don't love and treasure Him, it separates them um, from Him eternally. That it's that it's a separation. Yet Jesus has stepped into human history to rescue us, right? That he has lived the life we were meant to live. He has died the death that we deserved, right? He has then defeated sin and Satan and death and is alive today. And so death is not something we have to fear any longer, right? That we know that Scripture says to be absent from our body is to be present with the Lord for those who love and trust, follow and treasure Jesus, right? That, that death is... Um, was defeated. Death's death was in the death of Jesus at the cross, right? That we don't have to be a people who fear it, that we can number our days and to look towards that saying, I want to, to pour myself out for as many days as he would give me because Jesus has rescued us. It's the hope of the gospel that he has made us right with our Father because he has given us his righteousness and innocence in exchange for our sin, Right? It's something that we could not have accomplished on our own, and yet Jesus has done it because He loves us. He loves you, and He's restoring and transforming us. He is making us right with the Father, bringing us into the family as adopted sons and daughters. We can trust His good character. So why does it matter? Right? We, we can see why do we look at it, um, but why does it matter? And it matters because we're on mission. As believers, we have been called on mission. In Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus right as he is about to ascend into heaven um, after he has been resurrected and spent time with the disciples for 40 days. He is now going to be resurrected, or he's going to, be, he's going to um, ascend into heaven, excuse me. And the disciples are there, and they're, they're talking with him, and, he, and they're kind of asking, okay, hey, what's next? Is the kingdom happening now? And he says, listen, you continue to make disciples. You continue to go forth. You continue to share the gospel. You stay on mission until the day you see me return, right? And so the mission continues now for 2,000 years for all of us until the day, right, that we die and that we go to be with Jesus or until he splits the sky and returns, ending history, right, as we know it um, and, and, and bringing us to himself for eternity, that the mission hasn't changed. And yet, circumstances do, right? We are living currently in strange circumstances, but the mission hasn't changed, right? To share the gospel, to make disciples, to treasure Jesus in all that we do for others' good, for our good, and for God's glory. Now listen, as we grow older, circumstances change. Our health um, obviously often worsens. Our memory can fade. Um, retirement comes, and it changes the, the relationships that we have and, and the amount of free time that we have, finances can change either um, to the good or to, to, the, to the negative, right? That our circumstances in life can change, but the mission doesn't, regardless of our age. And so our desire, as Paul says in Philippians 2, is to live a life that has been poured out, that we, that we run the race well, um, that we are poured out so that we hear, like we see in Matthew 25, well done, good and faithful servant. For however many years God gives us, whether that is short or whether that is many decades, that we would run well, 
not feeling like we have to run like everyone else is, but that we would run the race that has been set before us to make much of Jesus in our family, in our circumstances, in our circle of influence, in the, in the place, in the neighborhood that he has called us to, to love him and to, to point people to him. Listen, there are some cliches out there about every life stage, right? Millennials get blasted all the time right now about work ethic and, and, and living at home. Um, and if we think of some of the cliches that we might consider for older folks, um, sometimes it's that they're, right, the word cantankerous would get thrown around. Maybe think of uh, Mr. Wilson and Dennis the Menace, um, who might be a little more of a, a loner, not want younger kids around, um, that are stuck in their ways, um, who are bitter. Maybe think of empty nesters, right, in that kind of middle, not, they're not old, but they're older. Um, and sometimes we, in culture, we kind of view them as, as selfish because as soon as the kids are out, um, instead of kind of turning and reinvesting into folks, they're quick to say, hey, this is my time, and so it's all about me, and so selfishness can creep in, right? And so we're certainly not saying that all old people are cantankerous, that all empty nesters are selfish, that all younger folks are lazy and living at home, right? There are these cliches, but they're, they're there for a reason because they've marked um, a lot of folks in those generations. And so it matters because the mission matters, and that we don't want to get stuck in the cliches, right? We don't want to get stuck in kind of where our world or our culture is taking us, where the norm of our, our peers is, that we want to continue to fight to make much of Jesus regardless of whether we are young or middle-aged or older. So how do we avoid this mission drift, right? How do we avoid getting stuck or looking just like our culture instead of making much of Jesus and, and living poured out lives for the glory of God? How do we finish well? How do we glorify God? And so what, what, what we're going to argue for this morning is that we have to set some habits and some rhythms that will put us on a trajectory of making much of Jesus in every life stage, every situation, every decade of life, right? That we don't just magically wake up one day and decide um, okay, now, because I'm in this life stage, now I'm going to choose to be godly. And so regardless of whether you're watching this and you are 12, or you're 27, or you're 34, or you're 48, or you're 63, or you're 81, or you're 94, right, that at any age we can say, hey, I'm going to set some habits and some rhythms in place that for my continued months, years, days, decades, right, that I want to make much of Jesus and I want to do things that are going to set me on a trajectory to be a wise and God-honoring person. So what are some of those? Um, the first is this. It's, it's the Word of God. It's Scripture. That we would love it. That we would devour it. That we would treasure it. That we would see it as a gift from God. Allowing us to, to hear from Him. To know His character. To know His promises. To see His faithfulness. Right, that we would be willing to, to say, hey, I don't understand this, but I want to. That we would read it with others and invite others to help us, to grow us in that. Right? That we would be lovers of God's Word. That we would see it for the gift that it is. A second would be this, that we would be a prayerful people. Right? That we would see that we have access to the, the holy God of the universe, our Creator, through prayer, that Jesus has 
given us access that we can boldly approach the throne of grace, that we can go to Him because He is alive and He is faithful, right? That our prayers are not bouncing off the, the ceiling of our homes or of this place. They are being heard by a holy God. That Jesus is interceding, right, on our behalf. That we have access to Him. As, as the disciples in John were, were nervous about Jesus' impending um, death, was they were trying to figure out what was going on, one of the things he tells them to encourage their souls was, I'm, I'm giving you the gift of prayer, right? Like that as I leave, the Spirit is going to come and you're going to be able to continue to, to access me through your prayers and through the comfort of the Spirit. That we would be a people who devour the Word of God. We'd be a people who pray, not just when it seems most necessary or most desperate, that we would be those who would pray without ceasing because God is faithful to hear, to move, to work, to encourage the third thing is this, is that He has given us not just His Word and prayer, He's given us the church. And church, it's why that we have not created our, our gospel communities, these groups that meet in homes throughout the week, to be life stage, right, where they're not all um, young married, they're not all um, young kids, um, empty nesters, divorced, that we want to be a family, and families have multi-generations, families have multi-situations and life stages, we need that because it, it keeps us from groupthink. Um, it, it reminds the younger ones, right, that there is hope, um, that we're going to make it through these hard, challenging years of, of raising little kids. It reminds older folks of, of what that, that, that energy and that vitality looks like, that we need the wisdom um, that both bring, right? It's, it's, it's Proverbs 16, or it's Proverbs 20, 29. Right? The strength of the young and the splendor and the gray hair of the old coming together as a family. That church, if we're going to be a healthy church, that we need to have people across um, all, the, all the, the life stages, all the situations, um, because we want to be a healthy body that is receiving wisdom. Um, and we want to do it both ways, right? That it's not just the old telling the young what to do, but it's the young encouraging the old as well. The fourth thing is this. Um, we want to reflect Jesus. Right? If we want to avoid the cliches we looked at earlier, whether you are young, um, whether you're a millennial, whether you're middle-aged, whether you're older, if we want to avoid those cliches, right, it's because we want to know the character of God. We want to reflect Jesus. We want to be generous. One of my favorite things that I've seen occur here at Redeemer in, in this regard um, is we, we think of Jesus telling um, those who around him as he was gathering, the, let the little children come to me. Is even the disciples tried to kind of hold the kids off. And because the room is full of, of babies crying, um, often you'll see young moms or young dads um, looking around nervously, anxiously as they're trying to, to shush their, their child. And I have seen multiple older men and women both, but especially women who have just gone to them and I think you almost see a fear of, oh, I'm going to be told that I'm not parenting well, that I'm not a good mom, and instead it's a kind hand and a kind word saying, let that baby cry. It's music to my ears. I'm glad there is life here. And, and it, it has ministered to so many of you because we have women doing that. And so that is reflecting the very character and nature of Jesus. It's being generous. It, it's understanding what's going on in that young mom's heart and exactly what she needs to hear. 
right? That we would reflect his character well. That we would run the race set before us and finish well. This is 2 Timothy 4, uh, verses 7 and 8. Paul writes, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but to also to all who have loved his appearing. Right? That we would remember that we are running a race. And that Jesus is going to be faithful to minister to us. He's going to be faithful to sustain us on it. And that we want to finish it well. That we don't come stumbling in, but that we run hard for as long as he would give us. And the fifth way that we're going to do this, um, the last one, is that we would be a people who, who remember right, and, and look back to teach. In Titus 2, we see Paul admonishing Titus to tell the older women in the church to, to minister and to teach the younger women. Right? That, that that's, should be a characteristic of what's happening in the church is that we have people in different life stages looking back and saying, how do I invest? How do I teach? How do I grow? How do I bring others along? Listen to what the psalmist says in Psalm 78, verse 4. He writes this, We will not hide them from their children, but, to, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. Right, This idea that we want to, to remember God's faithfulness and His mercy to us in turn and to tell the generation that's coming behind us, look at who He is, look at what He's done, look at how He's ministered to me, look at how He's been faithful, and that we would pass it on. Church, we are recipients of that for 2,000 years now since the book of Acts, that the gospel has gone from culture to culture, nation to nation, language to language, and generations have passed it on. And so that 2,000 years later in Pampa, Texas, right in, in West Texas, that we are recipients of the gospel that Jesus first shared for our good, for His glory with His disciples. And it has been passed on faithfully, and it's now incumbent upon us to pass it on to the next generation and to the next generation until Jesus returns for His bride. Right? That is the mission that we have been called to. In Deuteronomy 32, verse 7, we read this. Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. Right? Just this idea that, that there should be an asking from the younger and a telling from the older that we are passing along, not despising those of an older or a younger generation, but teaching and remembering. Listen, there is always someone coming behind you that you can encourage and teach, whether you feel like you know a lot or not yet. Um, even now, my one-year-old, Janner, wants to be like his older brother, Jude, who is five, right? As a five-year-old, he's already got younger sibling, a younger boy going, I want to do what you do. I want to try what you try. I want to act like you act. Now, right, the, the trick now is for me is to help Jude see the, the role and the responsibility he has of having a younger brother who wants to be like him. And so if, if that's happening with a five-year-old and a one-year-old, how much more could we look at teenagers with younger siblings, with adults, with those ar coming around them, whether they're relatives or not? 
that we would be looking behind us. Listen, if you're not investing in those coming behind you now, whether you are 15 or 25 or 35 or 55 or 85, right, you're not going to magically wake up one day and decide to do it. Right? It's why we want to set a trajectory is that we are already turning and looking and saying, I may not know much, but I can share what I know. I can share how God has been gracious and good and faithful to me, and I'll do it now. Right? And I long for him to do more so that I can share more. Listen, um, older saints, we need you desperately um, to share the hard-fought wisdom that you have earned in relationships and in emotions, in finances, in, in, in marriage or in singleness, in parenting, and in, in health or in sickness, in wealth or in poverty. Right? These, these ways that you have seen God minister and be gracious and merciful day in and day out as he has been faithful to you that we need you to look at young parents and say, you're going to make it through these days. To see marriages that are in a hard place and for them to see, here's how God brought my marriage to a better place. Here's how God was faithful to me over 85 years of singleness. Here's God, how God was faithful in his provision to me and fill in the blank. That we need those things. We need to hear that we're going to make it. It's not the first time this has happened. When we see hard things in our world or, um, that, that will make it into history books, right? That we can be told, God's been faithful in this before. Listen, we need folks who are willing to invest in relationships that they'll never really see the, the entire fruition of it, right? Because they're going to go and be with Jesus before it comes to bear. And yet that they were willing to invest in that. There's an old saying that we need folks to, to plant oak trees that they'll never enjoy the shade of. Right, that we want to do that spiritually. And so I want to end this morning with just a little bit of encouragement, just a couple of verses to encourage us um, that whether you would consider yourself an older saint or whether you um, are already thinking about the day where you might be that, that as we set these habits, these rhythms in place for a healthy, um, wise, and God-honoring old age, we'd be encouraged by a couple things. The first is this. This is 2 Corinthians 4, um, 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Right? That I know as bodies fail, as we see the, the, the fragility and the, the frustration of older age and what it does to us, that we would understand that as we groan and as our outer bodies are failing, that Jesus is still renewing and transforming and sustaining. Right? And there will be a day where all those tears will be wiped away. Right, that we will have perfect, transformed, sanctified, glorified bodies, and we will be with Him forever. Then this is Isaiah 46.4. Even into your old age, I am He, and to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made, and I will bear, I will carry, and I will save. Right? Then he says, even to your old age, I'm there. I'm sustaining you. I'm caring for you, right? Not just when you were young, but when you were old as well, that he is ministering and near. He will not leave, and he will not forsake. 
And then Psalm 71. Two verses out of Psalm 71. Verse 9 says this, Do not cast me off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength is spent. Right? Some of you may feel like that describes you now. And then verse 18. So even to old age and gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation and your power to all those to come. Right? This idea of, Lord, I want to continue to, to bear fruit. I want to continue to, to share with the coming generation. Will you sustain me even in my lack of strength? And then one final. This is Psalm 92. Verse 14, simple as this. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Right, that old age is not a time of lack of production. It's not just, um, right, finishing out the string. It is a chance to be God-honoring and glorifying, to be productive to, to, to see souls saved, to see souls matured and grown up, to see faithfulness. Church, that we would not look at old age as something to avoid or to fear, but that we would see that it is evidence of God's faithfulness to sustain day in and day out for decades, to minister to us and to keep us until the day that we're with Him. So church, would we be a church who would honor those who have the gray hair, that crown of splendor, um, because God has been faithful to minister to them. And would we long to be um, generations, as whether we're in our 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, that are turning and drawing those behind us, pointing to the mercy, the character, and the faithfulness of God. Church, we love you. Would you pray with me? Father, would we be a people who would rejoice in your faithfulness, in your nearness, in your sustaining mercy and grace. God, that we would not fear um, things that culture tell us that we should fear, whether it is um, singleness or poverty. God, whether it is um, a lack of health or old age. God, that we know that you will meet us in those moments and that you will sustain us by your kind and good hand, that you are doing something right and good for our souls and for your glory. So, Father, um, God, would we be a church who would love one another across generations, um, making much of you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen.